New series today, The Business of Living, Basic Principles for Living Day-to-Day. Maybe a little different than what you're expecting, but it's kind of like what our relationship with God is all about. It's about the fact that everything we have, including the ability to move your arm around, everything we are, everything that exists belongs to God, came from God, belongs to God, and we need to keep that in mind in our life. He, in, he created everything, and that includes us. Uh, and what he expects from us on this earth, and we're going to see how he designed us, what he expects from us is to manage everything that he gives to us, because we don't own anything. You know, everything belongs to him. He expects us to manage what he gives to us, what he loans to us for him. Now, what in, in the Bible, there's a word uh, that God attaches to that. It's called stewardship or being stewards of something. And uh, Jesus used that term in the parables several times. And Peter and Paul used it in their letters to the churches. As a matter of fact, we just finished uh, going through the book of 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter 4.10, Scripture says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you has received, now this may be talking about maybe a more limited kind of gift that I'm talking about. I'm just saying everything that God has given you, everything that you are, everything that exists, all good stuff is a gift from God. Sin is the way we've messed some of it up, but all good stuff is a gift from God. And so realizing that as faithful stewards, we're to use, we're to manage life for the way God wants us to. And an effective life is a life that's well managed. So this series is going to focus on several areas of our lives. We can't get into all of the areas, but we'll get into these kinds of areas requiring proper management like relationships. Because the, the, the people in your family, the people that in your life, God put them there for you. And so we need to manage those relationships the way God wants us to manage them. Our work life, that job that you have, the ability to, to make money, to take care of yourself, God gave you that. You need to manage it well. Your finances, everything about your, your money, you need to, you need to manage that uh, uh, right. Your spiritual life, every part of your life. Now, what I would like to come out of this series is for each week for us to get some practical biblical principles for managing aspects of our personal lives in a way that will do two things. Number one, it'll bring personal fulfillment to us. You know, it'll make us feel like uh, we're supposed to feel in God's sight. And then number two, it will bring honor and glory to God at the same time. So that's what we're working on. Now, the reason that I talk about stewardship is because it's taught in the Bible from the book of Genesis. We're going to start Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 today. From the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation uh, in Scripture, Jesus talked more about a stewardship or about managing what he has given us than he talked about heaven or hell. Uh, as a matter of fact, heaven and hell combined, he talks more about stewardship. Over half of Jesus' parables deal with this subject. One person who counted, and I haven't, said one of every six verses in the Gospels deals with uh, life management or stewardship. The way we manage what God has given us, our time, our talent, our money, our opportunities, our relationships, is one of the basics of the Christian life. Then you throw in having a right relationship 
uh, to a church, a right commitment to a church in prayer and Bible study, you kind of got the, the basics of it. You know, stewardship, church, prayer, Bible study, you get those four things down, you got a good life going. So today, we're going to begin at the beginning, uh, maybe not the greatest title, but I'm just calling it God's plan for humans. You know, you've got I, I could have said God's plan for man, it kind of works on, uh, but this is for all humans, right? And God, does God have a plan for animals? Yeah, God does have a plan for animals, but his, his plan for humans is different. And so that's what we're looking at today. We often talk about the fact that God has a plan for each person's life, and that if we get involved in God's plan, if we find out what God's plan is for our life, life will be better in every way. Better today, better tomorrow, better in eternity. And stewardship defines the relationship between God and humans. So well, let's define this word that we're going to be talking about. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care in general. It is the careful and responsible. We got to keep both of those. Uh, throw in the word faithful if you want to. But careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. In other words, stewardship is about managing something that isn't yours. So we're talking about how to manage your life, your family. It's not your, we call it my family, you know. Uh, I have my wife and my children and my grandchildren, and it's okay to refer them to them like that, but they don't really belong to me. You know, they belong to God, and they're some of the most precious things that God has put in my life, maybe the most precious things. So we're talking about that job career, relationship, everything. The key to stewardship starts in the very beginning, first verse of the Bible. And so to truly understand this subject from God's point of view, we have to go back to that first verse. We're going to kind of walk through. Uh, we're not going to read every verse of Genesis chapter one, but we're going to walk through it, look at some of the verses today. Uh, uh, as far as this subject is concerned, I'm going to give you three principles of stewardship, which begins with this. God owns everything. Now, I think that most of you probably have that idea in your mind, maybe, maybe not, but I think most of you have that idea in your mind. God owns everything. He created it. He holds it together. It belongs to him. He loans it to us for a while. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. Time, space, matter, continuum, everything that exists. Even, even nothingness didn't exist. Uh, open space didn't exist before God. I chew on that one for a while, and I'm just going to let it go because it's not important today. But in, uh, God created time, space, and matter, the stuff that's around us. Then verse 2 says, uh, you know, he created it uh, undifferentiated, and then he differentiated it on the six days of creation. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, the water, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That, uh, that word hovering means fluttering, shaking, vibrating, and so to the time-space uh, matter continuing, God put energy, you know, and he energized the whole thing. Later, he brings life uh, into it, but what it, what it tells us to start with here is that God owns every plant, every rock, every animal, every person, every minute of every day. It all came from God. It all belongs to God. The psalmist put it like this. You know, poets put things in extra special ways. But the psalmist said in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's. In all its fullness, the world 
and those who dwell therein. The earth belongs to God. Everything in it belongs to God. The people who live here belong to God. And so the question comes here, why does God have a claim to everything? And first of all, it's because he created it, right? He created, he made it, it's his. He wasn't working for somebody else when he made it, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes you can be working for a big company, you know, and, and you come up with something and it belongs to them because you were working for them. God wasn't working for anybody. You know, God is sovereign. God is God. And so he made it. It belongs to him. He owns it. Second, he sustains it or he keeps it going. Uh, it, it would just fly apart if it wasn't for God. Here's what Paul wrote about that in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 16, and in the New Testament, an inspired letter written by the apostle Paul to the churches of Colossae. For by him, that is by Jesus, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. You can't see everything, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And notice verse 17, and he is before all things. Now I put in time, but it's not exactly right because there was no time, but uh, he was before, for, for our minds, he was before everything in time, he came first, and in him all things consist. In him all things hold together. The New Living puts it like this. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. God keeps the planets lined up. He holds the atoms together in every molecule in the entire universe. God owns everything because he made it and because he holds it together. He owns you. He owns me. He owns uh, this land. He owns all the raw materials of the universe. He owns your family, your children. He owns everything. But just because God owns it doesn't mean that, that it all gets used in the right way because God gives us some free will on this planet. And uh, he, there's a way that he wants us to manage everything, but he lets us choose to do it if we want to or if we don't want to. So first principle of stewardship is this, God owns everything. That brings us to the second one, which is this, God created humans to manage his creation. God created you and God created me and God created every person that's ever been on this planet, ever will be on this planet, to manage his creation. So let's go back and read those verses in Genesis chapter one again. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering, vibrating over the face of the waters. Verse three, then God said, let there be light. First thing, and there was light, first thing that differentiated. Verse four, and God saw the light that it was good. Now I highlighted those words, it was good, because those words come up several times in Genesis chapter one. We're not gonna read them all, but he looked at it and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Verse five, God called the light day. The darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning was the first day. So there was evening and then there was morning and that was day number one. Beginning with day number two and after each succeeding creative act through the middle of day six, God used, uh, scripture says, and God saw that it was good. Uh, verses 10, 12, 18, 21, and 25. God saw that it was good. God did this and God saw that it was good. God did the next thing and he saw that it was good. Then you compare that to what God says at the end of day six, Genesis 1:31. at the end of day six, the end of creation, then God saw everything that he had made 
and indeed it was very good. It was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What happened between the last time that God said it was good in verse 25 and when he said it was very good uh, in verse 26? Well, the answer to that is that he completed creation. He brought together the management aspect of creation. He created the first man and the first woman in between verse 21, 25 and verse 31. Uh, God looked at it, it's good, this that part of it's good, this part of it is good, this part of it is good, but it's not finished. And then he created the first man and the first woman to manage it, and it was good. Humans were created differently from animals. I love animals. God loves animals. God wants us to take good care of animals. But humans were created differently from animals. Here's a couple of things. We're created different in character, not that animals have bad character, but we were created different in, 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 uh, uh, in our identity and character. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, 26. This is what happened between verse 25 and 31. Then God said, let us, God's talking to himself there, by the way, make man or humans in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, verse 27 says, God created man, or humans, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. New Living Translation for verse 27 reads like this. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself, male and female, he created them. Male and female created in the image of God. Only humans were made like that. Only humans were made in the likeness of God. It involves a, a lot of things, and one of these things we're calling character. Uh, now, we reflect God in our, in our creation. Now, because of the fact that we chose to sin, you know, Adam and Eve chose the wrong thing to do, and we've all just followed along right in their footsteps ever since then, uh, we are still a reflection of God. We're just an imperfect reflection of God. Everything that we can do or think or, or experience is a reflection of God. We just do it poorly. And sometimes we do it negatively. Things like love. There couldn't be any love if there wasn't for God. Joy. There couldn't be any joy if it wasn't for God. But anger. God gets angry, but his anger is perfect and ours is usually wrong. And God gets jealous, but his jealousy uh, is because he has chosen us and he loves us and he wants us, uh, uh, wants our, our happiness and our goodness, and, and we are, are jealous. God is supremely creative, and he's given us that creative ability. We're not gods. You're not a god, I'm not a god, but we reflect the image of God. And of all of the corporeal beings, of all the beings that have flesh and, and blood, uh, in them. Uh, we alone have a spirit within us that is in contact with God, that communicates with God. So we're different in character, uh, unique in character. Secondly, in addition to being different in character, we're different in our job description. You know, God gave us a different job than he gave any of his other creation. <clears throat> when he was speaking to the first two people, to Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, 
fill the earth and subdue it. The word subdue means govern it. Have dominion over, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 2, uh, when he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. So what is our purpose on this earth. The Bible says that God made us to be the caretakers, the managers, the stewards of everything he created. That we manage it for God and we need to do it God's way. Now the first th three things that God told people to do are true for animals, right? Genesis 1:28: be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You know, have babies, fill up the earth. Uh, animals do that too. And in fact, they're told to do that. We're not reading all the verses, but they're told to do that too. But then God gave people four more things that are different in purpose to what he gave the animals. Genesis 1:28, we just read, subdue it, govern the earth, have dominion, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every other living thing that moves on it. And then when he was talking about taking care of the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2:15, he says, tend it and keep it. So subdue, have dominion, tend and keep. Those are four things about our management that God has told us to do. And uh, and, and he's not told animals to do that. Now, we haven't done a particularly good job of any of that. But it's what we're supposed to do for God, God's behalf. Now, it's clear that God's the owner. It's clear that we're the managers. And I believe that our biggest problem in every area of life, no matter what area it is and what problem that we have, is that we forget who's the owner and who's the manager. You know, we start acting like we're the owners, that this is my stuff, I created this. Uh, instead of God, we use words like my and mine, my life, my possessions, my plans, my time, what I want to do. Uh, and, and we need to ask, who gave all these things to you? God did, he's the owner. God says, look, I'm putting you on this earth and you get to use all these resources that I have. You get to manage the earth. You get to enjoy every bit of all this wonderful stuff that I've created, but never forget, I own it, I made it, I keep it going, if it wasn't for me, it wouldn't even exist. You know, the ultimate control in any business or anything else is in the owner, not in the manager. Remember a guy by the name of Joe Torrey, still around, uh, Joe, Joe Torrey managed the New York Yankees for George Steinbrenner, took him to four World Series championships and some other uh, American League championship titles, uh, and then all of a sudden he was managing the Los Angeles Dodgers because <laughs> George fired him, you know, because the team didn't belong to Joe. Uh, remember a guy named Jimmy Johnson? I like him because he, he coached the Miami Hurricanes to a couple of national championships and some great teams. But then he went to the Dallas Cowboys and, and he took the Dallas Cowboys from nothing to two Super Bowl championships for Jerry Jones, who was the owner. And then all of a sudden he was fired. And somebody else was the coach. You know, we get to use stuff. We get to manage stuff. We get to enjoy all the resources. But God still owns it. God still calls the shots. God still decides who's hired and who's fired. After the Israelite nation, uh, you remember the Israelites, God chose them, starting with Abraham. And eventually they were in Egypt. And uh, for hundreds of years they were slaves in Egypt or they lived in Egypt. And then Moses brought them out into the promised, uh, in, toward the promised land. But for 40 years, they wandered around in the desert, waiting to go into the promised land. And, and, and then God said to them, look, now you're about to go into the promised land. 
You've never been property owners before, but now you're going to own property. You've been living in tents. Now you're going to live in houses. You've been just eating manna that fell from heaven. Now you're going to have fields and vineyards and all that. You're going to have stuff. You're going you're to like your stuff after you get, isn't that the way it is? Don't you like your stuff? We all like it. Uh, houses and our lands and all the stuff that we, the cars that we drive. So you're going to have stuff. But here's what I want you to be careful of. Deuteronomy 8.11, beware, watch out, that you do not forget don't forget where it all came from. Do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, right, which I command you today. The danger, big danger, is you forget that God had given it all to you. Go down a few verses, Deuteronomy 8, 17. Then you may say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained this wealth. Look what I have done. I did all this. I am creative. I work from dusk, dawn until dusk. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I do things that other people aren't willing to do. Then you may say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Who, who gave you the ability to do that? God did. God gave you that ability. I don't care what ability it is, God gave it to you, and you're supposed to use it for others, by the way. Go back to the very first verse that we read today. So, for it is he who gave you this power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day, keeping his promise to you. Do you know what happens when we try to take ownership of things instead of managing them for God? All, all sorts of things. Things begin to rule us instead of us ruling them. We're supposed to be managing things and all of a sudden we're under their power. We get possessed by our possessions when we try to own them instead of saying God owns this stuff and I'm just managing them for you. You've heard the old saying you can't take it with you and you can't, you know. There's no U-Haul behind a, following behind a, a hearse, all that kind of stuff. What happens is you, you can't take it with you because it's not yours. And God passes it on to somebody else when you leave this planet. The Bible teaches that God has delegated some authority to us. He made us in his image. He made us creative. He put us on the earth. And he said, now make the most of my stuff here. Why you're on this earth for a short period of time. Make the most of your life. Make the most of your relationships. Make the most of your, your talents and your abilities. Make the most of your time and your money. And we are creative, but we have to remember who the owner is. You know, people amaze me. The creative ability, you know, read a poem. Uh, it's amazing that somebody can craft words like that. Just absolutely amazing, or paint a picture, or build a, 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 a business. It's amazing. But you have to remember who the owner is. Stewardship is this. Just another thing about stewardship. Stewardship is partnership with God. God owns it. I'm managing for him. That takes all the pressure off me. And we all, most of us like C.S. Lewis. Everybody quotes C.S. Lewis. He died in 1963, born in 1898. Uh, uh, the Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, you know, the book, the movie, all that kind of stuff. That's what made him popular. But uh, his, his best book of, of if you call it theology or, or what, called mere Christianity. Let me read you a quote from that. 
every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. Everything, every, just anything can even come to your mind given to you by God. If you devoted every minute of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his already. He already owns it. So that when we talk of a man doing anything for God or giving anything to God, I will tell you what it is really like. He said, it's like a small child going to its father and saying, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. He's British, right? Daddy, give me sixpence. And I understand that's one fortieth of a pound, British pound. But anyway, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. Wouldn't be much of a birthday present now. Of course, the father does that, and he's pleased with the child's present. It's all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence to the good on this transaction, that somehow dad made money on this thing because he gave the child the money to start with, right? When a man has made these two discoveries, God can really get to work. It's after this that real life begins. The man is awake now, and he puts it differently, but what I said is, First thing, God owns everything. Second thing, God created humans to manage his creation. Get those two things, and God can really go to work in your life. One more thing. Third thing and last thing. Third principle of stewardship, stewardship benefits us. It's not just all about God. God cares about us. Stewardship benefits us. Now, there are two categories of benefits from being wise manager of God. Uh, there are the immediate benefits of life. When you, when you manage things for God, you are immediately, presently benefited by that. Jesus, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, speaks of abundant, superabundant, uncommon life uh, like this. The thief, now that could be any thief or it could be the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they, that is my people, my sheep. He's given a, he's just a great shepherd chapter. I have come that they may have life, that they have it, may have it more abundantly. Uh, the New Living Translation calls that a rich and satisfying life. The thief comes to take everything away from you. I come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to be rich, wealthy. Not true. Everybody's not going to be wealthy. But we all have some wealth. Uh, everyone who manages well for God can have the life that is most important for that person. And life is different for everybody. But if you manage well for God, and, and you're not always looking around saying, boy, I wish I had what that person had, because that's against God when we do that, and we all do that too. But everyone who manages well for God can have the life that's most important. There are future benefits that result from being faithful to God. So think about these two statements. State, statement number one's about now. My happiness will be in proportion to my faithfulness in managing all that God has entrusted me. The better steward I am, the happier I am. The worse steward I am, the un most un more unhappy I am going to be. Now, I don't think it's going to be that way because I think, well, this is my stuff, this is my life, this are my talents, you know, all that sort of thing. But, <clears throat> but if God has given me a talent or an ability and I don't use it for him, my life will be unfulfilled. And I'll go through life wondering, why can't I be happy? I got stuff. I got good things. Why can't I be happy? If God gives me wealth, and I said, we all have some of that, and I misuse it, spend it in the wrong way, uh, use it uh, for the wrong motives, 
I will feel under constant pressure and tension, anxiety and worry will run my life. God has given me every day of my life. If I don't use my time wisely, I will be under constant time pressure, feeling defeated and feeling like a failure. On the positive side, when, when we are wise managers, we get to use and enjoy everything that God has entrusted to us without feeling all the pressure all the time. Kind of like rent, renting a car. Did you ever rent a car or take a trip? Take a car, a trip in your own car. I used to worry myself sick about this. I don't do it. I was always, every, every noise, I hear, oh no, the car's going to fly apart, you know, before we get uh, uh, to the end of the trip. And then one day I rented a car and I thought, hmm, they can come get me. They said they would, they can come get me. Gene and I rented a car one time. We made it as far as Tallahassee. Went to Cracker Barrel in Tallahassee. She left her purse sitting in the front seat of the car. Wasn't there when we got back out. There was a busted out window and the purse was gone. Now, didn't get the purse back, but the rental car company showed up with a brand new car in about an hour, you know? And we came back home because we had to cancel all of our credit cards and everything else, you know, that had been stolen uh, in Gene's purse. But uh, no pressure involved in there. God wants us to manage. He takes the pressure. He just wants us to manage things for him. He gets tremendous pleasure watching us manage wisely. He, does, he just enjoys it. If you have children, you know what it's like to look at them, whether they're 2 or 20 or 40. That's about as high as I can go. And, uh, and get pleasure out of them doing smart stuff, making wise decisions. The more faithful we are, the more God entrusts to us. Remember, it all belongs to God. So my happiness, this earth right here and now, will be in proportion to my faithfulness in managing all that God has entrusted to me. Here's the second statement. My rewards in eternity, now I really don't know exactly how all this works, but I believe it. My rewards in eternity will be based on how I have managed what God has entrusted to me here on this earth. Not talking about going to heaven or hell. Heaven or hell, that's all based on whether I've trusted Jesus as my Savior or not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So it's have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus. It's, it's a once-for-all thing. But my rewards in eternity are based on how I've managed what God has entrusted me here on this earth. In Matthew 25, 21, Jesus is given a parable. Uh, you know, about people managing for their Lord. And his Lord said to this one guy, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Uh, God says to, to us, you are faithful in your time and your talent and your stuff on earth. And I'm going to give you way more. I'm going to make you responsible for way more. I'm going to uh, reward you in a greater way. Our stewardship now is preparing for a great, greater partnership with God in the future. It just gets better and better and better and bigger and bigger all the time. Paul said this in Romans 14 and 12, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I don't give an account for you. You don't give an account for me. I try to help you. You try to help me. That's what God tells us to do. But each of us is going to give an account for himself to God. So God made everything. God owns everything. We're the managers. Just keep that in mind. There are benefits when we manage wisely. Temporary benefits that lead to an abundant life on this earth. 
permanent benefits in eternity. God says, don't waste your life worrying about things that are only temporary. Remember, everything is just on loan to you. Enjoy, but it's on loan to you. What, of what am I a steward? Everything I have belongs to God. Every move I can make with my body, every thought I can think in my mind, everything that I possess, even if my name is on the title or whatever, it all belongs to God. God gave you this physical environment to live in. Stewardship involves taking care of the planet, not because the earth is your mother, but because it belongs to God. And we're required to take proper care of it. God gave you the body that you have. Stewardship involved things like physical fitness and nutrition. We're not going to get into that in this series, but we did the Daniel plan a couple of years ago that was just all about that. God gave you every day of your life, use those, your time wisely. God gave you your material possession. Stewardship involves money management, using money wisely and using money for God. God has given you some influence in life. Uh, stewardship involves using your influence for good. Have you received God's gift of eternal life? Have you prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you received that? If not, then let me just say to you, that's the, the, all the rest of this stuff is, you know, is really not for you. It all starts with trusting Christ as your Savior. But if you have done that, then stewardship involves sharing your faith with others. Now, not, you know, we're just all not capable of doing the same kinds of things, but I can tell my story. I can live for Christ and when I get an opportunity and somebody asks me about me, I can tell them about Jesus. This is not a trivial issue. It's, it's not something you can choose to do or not to do. This is about fulfilling the purpose for which God made you and knowing real fulfillment in your life. It's, it involves management of every area of your life, your time, your money, your family, your home, your business, your resources, your friends, your body, everything. God expects his resources to be used, not wasted, not thrown away, but he expects his resources to be used, not neglected. And I leave you with this statement. We define stewardship in different ways. Stewardship means that I use God's resources wisely in faith, carefully, responsibly, wisely in faith. God has a plan for your life. God wants it. And he knows you have not been perfect in carrying out that plan, by the way. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. He knows you have not been perfect in carrying out that plan. Nobody is. And when I preach to you, I don't say it's because I'm the perfect example of everything because I haven't been perfect. You can't be uh, in everything. But we can get better. You know? The good thing about God is he didn't throw us out because we didn't get it right the first time or the second time or the tenth time. He, he keeps working with us. He loves us. And so God has a plan. God wants you to do the right thing with every aspect of your life. We're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And I hope you'll be praying and, uh, to him about it and, and reading his word about it and, and making little teeny changes each day, each week, each month. Uh, and, and if you got started with something and you, and you didn't do everything you, you had promised yourself you were going to do, don't quit. God can't do anything with a quitter. But he can do a lot with a failure. Just give it another try. Let's pray. Father, you're here, and I thank you for that. 
thank you for Jesus. I thank you for every resource that you give us on this planet, uh, whether we think about it as resources or not. I know that we have not been everything you want us to be, Father, but I ask for your grace, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, for your forgiveness. And, and I just ask you that you will work in our lives. Make us who you want us to be. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.